Welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello, listeners. Well, can you believe it? Episode 100. What a special treat we've got for this episode. I've got Michelle Landy, uh, Pursuits General Counsel and Chief Operations Officer on the show today. Michelle is one of my favourite people in the world. She gives me a hard time when I deserve to get a hard time. And she's uh, so fundamental to the core of Pursuits culture, people function and our success. So I feel really, really fortunate to have her both as part of the Pursuit team and to share some of her journey with you here today, right back from her early career, her um, curiosity and where that led her. And essentially, you'll hear it led her to have an international career. And it's also led her to have interests well beyond her professional career and make a real impact. And the world needs more Michelle. So in the usual fashion, sit back, chillax and enjoy episode 100. Michelle Landy, welcome. Chantel Welcome to episode 100. How excited am I that I have you? And it's taken us way too long, Michelle, you know that, to get you on the episode. So welcome. Thank you very much. As you know, much happier behind the camera. <laughs> very excited yep. to be talking to you today. Yep. Uh, this is going to be such a hoot of an episode. I can feel it now, Michelle. General Counsel and Chief Operating Officer of Pursuit. Now, you haven't always been in that position. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just give us a little bit of a career arc of the Michelle Landy story, and then we're going to dive into how you and I first met. So the short version, um, and I think why there was such a natural fit with Pursuit is that I really deeply understood the problems and the issues that Pursuit is solving for, having started in private practice nearly 25 years ago um, and also having worked for over 20 years um, in various in-house roles. So I think I worked out really early on that I wasn't aligned to this billable hour business model. You know, as a junior lawyer, um, you know, there was just so much work that needed to be done from an admin perspective or a learning perspective. And I just wasn't comfortable billing all of that out to a client. I mean, I was working 14 and a half hours a day, um, but it just didn't feel like it was in the best interest of clients, you know, that it was aligned to to values and outcomes. So, um, and partners loved me for it, obviously, because I'd bill exactly 50% of the time that I was working. But, you know, at the time, AFA's new law, it wasn't commonplace as they are now. We weren't taught the business of law. Um, And so, you know, I just didn't feel that that was the right fit. The other piece was... There was a distinct lack of diversity in firms. Um, There was really a lack of visibility um, of a pathway as a woman um, in the senior ranks. I just didn't have any role models. I think the one role model I had in my first firm went on maternity leave and was back in three weeks. And, you know, honestly, that just felt like wholly uninspiring as a young woman. So I uh, packed my bags, moved to London, didn't have a job, didn't know a soul, didn't have a home, just thought I'd take a chance. Um, I hadn't quite learnt because my first experience there was in big law at a, at a very large firm. 
Um, but when the time came to really assessing whether I was going to take on a full-time job in that firm, I remember walking around the floors at about 2 a.m. in the morning and I interviewed all the lawyers that were still sitting there, no doubt with files open and magazines sitting inside them, and there wasn't one person that tried to convince me to join. Is that right? So, so these are, this yeah. is, you're, in, you're in London, you're in a London firm right now, you're walking the floor at 2 a.m., and of course there are no partners there, it's just the attorneys there, and not one of them is fist-pumping about you. So that was a big, you know, big moment of reflection, obviously. Yeah. Um, and at that point in time, I took the opportunity to step out of my comfort zone um, and only apply for in-house roles, which, to be honest, I was entirely unqualified for yeah. at the time. I mean, I was a baby lawyer at the time. Um, and I ended up getting my first role as a sole lawyer in a startup branding and licensing agency, working on some of the biggest brands in the world. And they gave me a six-month contract, and it was just sink or swim. Honestly, I don't even know if I knew what a trademark was at that point in yep. time. So, you know, but I ended up being there for four and a half years, building a global legal team um, and learning from the GC clients. That was my learning yep. ground because I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any others around at the time. So, um, and actually to this day, I'm very close to one of those GCs and that's 20 years later. So it was an incredible learning ground. After that, I spent 10 years in senior legal and business affairs roles at a large media organisation, firstly in London, then in New York. Um, and then ultimately as the COO of the, um, the Asia business for several years, working all over Asia. Um, and I was always exposed to the entrepreneurial side um, of the business, having sat within the sort of enterprises commercialization side of the company um, and spent years creating sort of new business models and doing the first of deals with digital platforms and, and was really at the forefront of the evolution of the TMT sector, which was really, really exciting. But I did get the itch after about 12 years of moving away from sort of partnering and incubating these entrepreneurial businesses um, and within the confines of that big corporate and the safety of the big corporate yeah. um, to head over to that startup side because I really felt that it wasn't possible to understand the madness without living and breathing it every single day. So I took my first startup role and actually I've been really addicted to that sort of journey ever since. It really is truly addictive. What I love about this story, Michelle, and it, I look for this now in people that you and I both look to recruit. Who yep. in their careers gets out of their comfort zone very, very quickly and is not afraid to explore, to learn, and, and packing up, going overseas with no comfort, no security, no job, mm -hmm. that is one of those um, early indicators and the stories that I love. And it's what... And you and I talk about this a lot when we look for recruiting great talent, resilient talent. Yeah. Um, we, yep. we, what, what do you think it was that gave you that courage or the courage that you had to do that, to pack up and, and essentially start a new life without any qualifications, if you like, about what that was going to take or, yeah. or um, whether you were going to succeed? Look, I think I was always very curious. After finishing my law degree, I backpacked around the world by myself. Um, so I was always naturally curious. I was always prone to going a bit left and putting myself in uncomfortable situations. And frankly, the more uncomfortable, the better. And, and really testing the boundaries and, um, and exploring. And, you know, I, I sort of jumped on that first plane ride, landed in London, didn't know a soul. And that really opened the door for a whole bunch of adventures yep. where I just chose to say yes. yes. Um, and I think my rule around, and what I would, you know, say to others is around comfort zone, you know, my rule is around 60-40 in the discomfort yep. zone. 
you know, and actually as I've got later in my career, it's probably even 70, 30. Yep. Um, and that, what that means is you're constantly learning. Yep. You know, I'm a lifelong yep. learner. Choose yes too. I like that. Choose yes. Choose yes. Choose yes. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. tell the story about how you and I met. We should see if we have the same story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to absolutely deny anything that is is a negative impression on me. I'm just, just going to let you know that. So you tell the story. And I'll... Good disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> so if I recall correctly, we were connected in around January 2019 by a mutual friend. I was only in Australia for a couple of weeks at the time, so it was a bit of a chance yep. meeting. Um, and at the time, I think Pursuit was around 10 people, mostly in Australia. And I believe you were toying with the idea of bringing in a CEO, or a CEO, I'm sorry, um, but it felt a little bit yep. early. So we had a lot of conversations over the space of around five or six yep. months, um, both here um, in the US as well as, as, well as back in Australia. Um, and I think it probably took about six months for you to say, okay, why don't you just come in and do a couple of days a week and we can see how this goes. Yep. Um, and I think I realised week one, that this was not a couple of days a week kind of journey that we're on. And in fact, day one uh, was about 20 hours long. We went on a trip to Houston to tie up a partnership. I remember it. And I think it's fair to say it's been long days like that ever since. <laughs> yep. All right. So a lot to unpack there, but I, I remember that. Yep. You're right. I was nervous. I didn't know what I was actually looking for. I didn't know what skills I actually needed. I was probably a little bit um, afraid or scared because... The early days of just tipping, dipping our toes, that was my, let's just suck it and see, um, see what this is like. But from your perspective, tell me, you're going to have, you would have, you did have a whole lot of choices mm -hmm. at the time, mm -hmm. a whole lot of choices. Yep. Um, and you could have got anything that would have paid many, many multiples. Why would you choose, because we're unproven at the time, uh, yeah. Big vision, all of that, but we barely had a handful of customers. Um, why did you choose to say, yep, I'm going to give this a shot? Um, you know, a couple of reasons. Look, I think it was incredibly fortunate to have had the opportunity to get under the hood, firstly, as a consultant. Yeah. So a huge benefit to be able to have a look around. And I was really able to assess, for me at the time, which was the, most, two, the two most important things. And that was good people and impact. They were, they were the big things for me. It wasn't, clearly wasn't money at the time. Um, but I could really instantaneously feel that passion and energy, even with such a small team at the time, and the excitement around what the, what the team was building. Um, and there were already seven Fortune 500 companies on board. So it was clear that you, we were onto something, and I could see the potential for impact and transformation um, of an industry that, frankly, has been so slow to move in so many ways. Um, and I could already foresee those kind of extended value propositions, you know, that, that, have, that have proven to be the case as, as, as we are today. It was pretty obvious to me at that early point in time. The other piece is I love wearing a lot of hats, you know, I, I, and I knew that I could get stuck in and play a role and have an impact across a variety of functions and that was what I was looking for, and that was really exciting to me. And to, and to be able to have that very immediate impact in building the foundations of the company, but not just building the foundations, really on some of the, the impact initiatives that we were thinking about even in the early days. If I think about, for example, our DEI module, 
that came about because very early on, David and I, uh, David yeah. Falstein, who's our, our current, our previous head of customer success, now VP of product, um, he and I were pitching it to the business, and we had a conversation with that with the CTO at the time, and pretty quickly a D9 module came to life. You know, really early on, it was clear to me um, that that I was going to be able to impact, and the business was going to have an impact in transforming an industry, and that was really really exciting. What advice do you give people who might be in a similar position or, or at least are weighing up that balance between the security, the economic security of a, or certainty at least of a higher income um, versus perhaps yeah. something that they might be more passionate about and feel that they can potentially make an impact, but it's going to mean a sacrifice, you know, a level of sacrifice. What's the and, you know, it depends, no doubt depends on the stage of life you're at and the security that's required, whether providing for a yep. family. What, what advice? How do you weigh them? How do you weigh them up? Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors that, that come into it, as you say, at different stages. Yep. I just think one thing is really important. You have to embrace your own journey. Um, there's no one journey. There's no one right journey. I, I always sort of liken the, the, you know, a career to branches of a tree rather than a ladder. You know, you've got to be open to the to the branches that's shooting off in different directions, yep. different lengths and heights, um, because you'll ultimately end up being a much more well-rounded executive and you'll be exposed to so much more, you know, and really deeply beneficial things along the way, rather than being fixated on that, that straight line up. There are obviously always the kind of obvious routes. And there were certain times in my career where people questioned my decisions because I didn't make the obvious yep. choice. Um, but I was really comfortable embracing my own journey. Um, remaining open to the adventure and the things that made me uncomfortable based on my discomfort ratio that I described earlier. And, and I think that what that means is you ultimately are not going to have regrets. You very, very rarely regret the things that you do. And, you, you know, you, as you know, you often regret the things that you don't do. Um, and I think the other piece is, you know, very likely you're always going to have options. You know, nothing's, nothing's fixed. Um, at the end of the day, if you make a wrong turn, you can make an adjustment, you know, and that's why I say it's a tree, it's not a ladder, and you have to be open to that. You know, had I had I been fixated on that very, very honestly, you know, I did not know that my my decision to move to London for one year back in 2000 would lead to a 23-year international career living in five countries and working in many more. You know, had I not said yes to that, you know, to that initial kind of going off the beaten path, I would never have experienced the incredible journey that I've had to See, this they're point. the stories I love, Michelle, because they're unpredictable, they're exciting, they are, um, uh, they are nurtured and fed by curiosity, not having a fixed vision necessarily on uh, a traditional path. It's, it's, always, right. it's always the less traditional, the less trodden path that ends up um, being exciting, more exciting. Uh, and I say to people I try and mentor or even my adult children now, choose the hard path. Choose the more uncertain one. That's the one where that's the one where there's going to be growth. You always figure, yeah, it, out. figure it out. You will always figure Absolutely. it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Say yes. Honestly say yes and figure it out after. I think Richard Branson said that. <laughs> yep. Um, so if we could break down your career uh, pre-pursuit and post-pursuit, give me the one biggest takeaway on each of those phases. So pre-pursuit and post-pursuit, what, what is the biggest takeaway that you're left with, at least to now? It's hard to break it up into two journeys because I think everything, all the decisions I've made 
have led to this moment. You know, this moment of really feeling part of a business, building something and being 100%, you know, in. Probably not just 100%, 1,000% in. I think everything I've done has led me to to this point and given me the ability to, to take the chance, you know, and come into a business at an early stage. I, you know, originally I was like, I wouldn't go near a business that was less than a Series B, for example. Um, but again, having remained open-minded along the way, I came into this at a much earlier point in time, but I was able to do that based on the journey that I'd taken prior to that. You know, it meant I was flexible, I was agile, I was curious, um, and, you know, and I and I really wanted to be part of building something at this at this point in my and, career. And, and, um, and that's what yeah, we're doing. And, and I like what, uh, you know, we talk about being in. Um, uh, one thing I do talk a lot about, and you've heard me say it, even to um, some of the younger um, Pursuit team members, the importance of leaning in, absolutely leaning in everything that you do in every stage of your career. Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to really lean in, have an honest conversation with yourself as to why um, and yep. determine whether it's actually you're not leaning because it's not right for you. <laughs> it's something, whether yep. you're not passionate about, whatever it might be, if you can't yep. find yourself essentially being all in, I talk about leaning in and being all in, um, uh, something that, you know, I know you and I talk about a lot, um, yep. but, and yeah. it shows. Um, and it shows with people you work with, your partners, your employees, it, it shows. And um, there's nothing more satisfying than feeling like you're all in. And I, it's, sometimes there's nothing more dissatisfying um, than not being all in because you know you're giving it, you're not giving it your best. And you, 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 you know it's, um, for whatever reason, it might not be right for your career at that point in time. So that's a yeah. test. If, if you can't, if you can't yeah. be all in, you need to ask yourself why. Yeah. And I think, you know, a big part of that is this is really hard. This journey is really, really hard, you know, and I think that the resilience that I've been able to build over the journey I've had in multiple countries and multiple roles has allowed me to lean in in that way. And I appreciate that that isn't for everyone because it is really, really tough. You know, every week, every week brings a new challenge, as you know. You know what? I think, why don't we do this? What do you think the um, audience out there, how do you think they'd feel and respond to um, a, a, a series that we, a podcast series, a little breakaway pursuit podcast series about life in a startup? Um, I got, I got, what's and all? What's and all? That's right. Um, let's think about some titles. Um, this shit is really hard, life in a startup. Uh, warts and all at the end of the week. Um, I tell you what, Michelle, it is hard. I've, I say there's mm. nothing nothing harder that I've ever done, but also nothing more rewarding. Mm. The, the right. lows are typically lower than I've ever experienced, but the highs, the highs are higher. <laughs> um, and so you're right, it's not for everyone, um, but it's, it's a journey and... Um, mm. uh, Whenever it's over, Michelle, I think we'll be able to say we didn't leave anything on the field. And honestly, that should be the goal with everything that we do Correct. in life. That should be your life. When you're, I talk mm. about when you're in that nursing home and when you've got the blanket wrapped around your legs and you've just got um, uh, the only thing really working is your brain and you are thinking about your life, mm-hmm. you will be asking yourself, 
did I leave anything? Or you want to be able to say to yourself, I didn't leave anything on the field. The, that life of no regrets. And that's hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I said yes to everything that I was curious about. Correct. Because you don't want, you don't want to be at that stage and say, you know what? Um, I, uh, I didn't do what I want to do. Sometimes that I lived the life that someone else expected of me. Um, I think I might have mentioned to you I, um, a couple of, well, was a few months ago now, I remember having, um, uh, I remember telling my youngest, Nikita, um, the, uh, telling her how important it was that she lived her own life, not the life that she mm -hmm. thought I wanted her. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I don't know, just hearing that from me, I think hearing that from your parents, hearing that from people who um, uh, who you respect or who um, you feel have expectations of you, I think it's really liberating because it's really important because you've only got one. We got, yep. we got one life um, and we don't want to get yeah. towards the end and think, you know what, I was living someone else's. Um, I, I wasn't living mine. Yeah, and yeah, and look, the younger generation also need to be able to see that pathway. I, you know, I absolutely my favourite thing is when a very good friend of mine told me that her young daughter, who was twelve or thirteen at the time, was looking to my journey as being inspirational. Oh, that's cool. You know, and was really looking hard at you know all the different things that I'd done and all the different countries and and all the rest of it, and wasn't sort of you know scared by that, but was really Love you know that. was really excited about you know a, a kind of role model having that sort of journey and what was possible. Um. Michelle, tell me something that you're deeply passionate about that others might not know about you. I do a few other bits and pieces outside of life at Pursuit in the middle of the night and on weekends. Um, but I'm very, very passionate around um, international development um, and also volunteering and playing a role in, in my community. So um, I run a small organisation on the side um, called Kilimanjaro Education Foundation, um, focused on building key educational infrastructure in Tanzania. So I've been going to Tanzania for about 15 years now, um, and my organisation does about half a dozen projects a year, um, building water boreholes and toilets and classrooms in, um, in disadvantaged schools all over Tanzania. So... That is something I am deeply, deeply passionate about and gives me, a, you know, a great sense of perspective. Um, and in the kind of, you know, journey that we're on here and, you know, we get caught up in yeah. that that sort of day-to-day -day and week-to-week, I think it's been really important to have had another perspective and perhaps one that others, you know, may not have had the opportunity to have. And I feel very fortunate that that's part of my life. Um, and to a great degree, I feel that I get as much out of it as, as I give. And that's been a consistent... Um, so, you know, scenario and way I've felt for the last 15 years. Um, and the other thing I think it's important to give um, to give back locally as well. So I'm fairly involved in, in various homeless organisations in the city as well. So I do spend a couple of evenings a week as well um, supporting the homeless community in New York. I, I do, so the couple of things I'm going to ask about there, one is I do remember a story that um, one of our team, Nathan, mentioned a few months ago when he was walking back to the hotel, he was walking with you. As you're walking and passing, homeless people who were outside no shelter they they said to you or they'd recognize that you there and um said hi michelle how are you doing and you would say hi whoever it was joe and that i remember nathan telling that story and said he said wow look at the people at the <laughs> so 
I wanted to shout that out. And the other thing, I, I, tell us about your boys. Tell us about your family um, in Tanzania. Yeah, so, I mean, over the period of the last 15 years, I've been really lucky to have to have met some, some great people along the way. And the last 12 years or so, um, I've been fortunate to support four kids in Tanzania who call me mum. Yep. Lovely. And who I speak to very, very frequently. Um, and I've watched them grow up from primary school to secondary school, university and beyond now. And it's been incredibly fulfilling, huge amounts of pride over what they've managed to overcome and achieve um, based on their circumstances and where they're living and their aspirations and goals are no different to, I'm sure, yeah. your kids. Um, and I've been incredibly privileged to have been on, on this journey with them. And it's a lifelong journey. And they know that fills me with huge amounts of pride and joy as well. I can see it. You're oozing pride. You've actually got a couple of budding yeah. entrepreneurs, haven't you, amongst the boys? I do. We've started some businesses. <laughs> tell us about, just tell us a little bit, a few highlights there. Yeah, we've uh, I've started three businesses with, with two of the older kids. The first one was a transport business. So there's a small vehicle called a Bajaj in Tanzania, which we purchased. Yep. Number one son, Jackson, ran that business for a period of time. Um, eventually sold it and made a profit out of it, which was fantastic, which he's now investing in a new business idea that he has. So, you know, they submit a business plan to me. We go through it. We figure out, you know, a repayment plan. Um, and it's been absolutely thrilling to see to see that success story. Number two child has not been quite as successful, but I do want to support the entrepreneurial yep. spirit. He's currently running two different um, shops. Um, yet to see the upside of those, but look at the skills that he's learning. Oh. Um, by studying and running these businesses alongside it is just immense and so incredibly supportive of that. Um, so, yeah, some budding entrepreneurs. And honestly, I think the business plan I, I've seen certainly from, from from Jackson was probably better than, you know, or as good as any I've ever seen, about that? Um, you know, in the context of, my, of, of any job I've been in. So really, really impressive. Well, the pride shows, Michelle, and as, as it should, um, and I think, um, I've got no doubt um, you're supporting um, the creation of wonderful human beings that are going to go on and be fantastically successful and forever, forever grateful. So kudos to you, Michelle. It's a fantastic story. I know you try to get out there once a year at least to see the uh, see your family as well as to um, get the projects up and running and yeah. executed. So kudos to you. All right, Michelle, advice advice to the younger generation um, and then advice that you would give your 25 year old self assuming that you'd actually take it and we know we'd never actually take the advice that we give yourself talk about that I mean we probably touched on a bit of it so far the curiosity the yeah learning. yeah I think there's look there's many things um, I think so obviously embracing your own journey as we mentioned earlier um, I think there's a lot of people I've met along the way that have a similar trait to what I've had always, and that is perfectionism. Um, and honestly, being a perfection is absolutely exhausting and really, really hard work. Um, and so I would say to, you know, to my younger self and to others to really learn to trust your yep. instincts. Um, and it's okay to get 80% of the way there and not obsess over that 100%. You know, it took me a really, really long time to learn to trust my gut instinct. I think, you know, it was... Um, it came down to when I was in the COO role in Asia, my boss could see that I was really struggling with having to explore every avenue um, before I was prepared to make a call on something. Yeah. And he said to me, you have too many decisions to make on a daily basis. You need to rely on your instincts. And so at that point, I really had to think very hard about that. And 
you know, I did start relying more on my instincts and they turned out to be a lot stronger yeah. than I perhaps had realised. And I wish that I I wish that I'd done that sooner because it is really, really exhausting. Um, I think some other things, look, it takes a really long time to build your reputation and personal brand. Um, and so I would say to really be true to that. Um, I chose to remove myself from a work environment that I wasn't willing to compromise on my reputation and morals. And I have absolutely no regrets about that. I think that's really, really important. I think the other piece is around the, you know, the role as a servant leader, always leading with empathy and humility. Um, we've talked about sort of staying curious as well. Um, and another thing I think is really, and something that I, to this day, um, really, really struggle with, and you can confirm <laughs> that as well, is, is the setting of boundaries. Um, it's really, really necessary. You know, I think I've just spent 20 plus years saying yes to everything and everyone. And, and that is not something that one needs to do in order to be successful. Yeah. I would say to people to get really, really clear on what are the things that only you could and should be doing and finding ways to better delegate and to train up others and, you know, on things that they should, that they should be doing. And so that you can, as you rise through, you know, the ranks, um, you know, really focus on, on the more strategic versus yeah. the, the tactical side yeah. of things. And, Look, it's something again. I've been trying to practice um, for twenty plus years, and it's and it's really difficult, particularly when you kind of are very, you know, engaged and you like to be part of everything. Um, but you have to really learn to operate in a very clever way, so that you can do all those other things and not in the middle of the night. You know, that you, yeah. you really can fit as much into your life as as possible. Yeah. Well, if it's certainly one thing I can uh, vouch for, Michelle, is the amount of time. Too much time. I mean, uh, that. Um, uh, that this journey takes. I, I mean, it is all encompassing and it can be all consuming. Um, so it's something, well, something I struggle with. I know it's something you struggle with. Um, you have yep. to set boundaries in order because it's, as we know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. And we, we, we've got to be good for the marathon. So, um, yeah. So finally, Michelle, to wrap up, anything that keeps you awake at night now? I'm laughing because I had a whole conversation with myself at 4am yesterday or well, actually not even with myself with half of our team members um look many many things keep me up at night it's why I've always kept a pen and paper next to my bed and that was a trick that my mum yeah. taught me really really early on yeah. I often wake up with random words scribbled on a, on a piece of paper um I think there's there's probably two things really that I think a lot about at the moment certainly on our journey and that is how are we going to attract, hire, retain, motivate, engage, um, yeah. you know, a high-performance team and culture? It is so much harder than it looks and that, you know, and that anyone realises. Yeah. Um, and it's really difficult not to take those people matters home with you, particularly when, you know, when you have a high degree of empathy. So, you know, that is something that I think I think a hell of a lot about and, and in the wee hours of the night. Um, and also really how to have maximum impact in every single thing that I'm doing from pursuit to my organization um, and within my community. And honestly, some days, you know, feel better than others um, when you're juggling so much. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way, but it's certainly something that I'm constantly thinking about, yeah. um, including in the middle yeah. of the night. The, the people, you know, you and I spend hours on this. We talk about this a lot. This does... This is the most important thing, the people and being able to track, yeah. motivate, retain. That the culture, we talk about that a lot, uh, it, as people have heard me say before, um, 
having an environment where where one missteps, where I misstep, being able to have people like you, Michelle, to you know pull me back in line, and and having that kind of environment, you know, the safety around that too, that is all working progress, <laughs> um, and it's mm. constantly um, a, a mm-hmm. work in progress. So. Um, yeah. Keeps me up at night too. And it, <laughs> yeah, and then look, and you know, it was, you know, when I think back to the the early days of the journey, I mean, we were a dozen yeah. people, you know, and everyone knew everyone, comms was clear, everyone knew what was going on. And, you know, we're now nearly 10 times that yeah. size and and global. Yeah. You know, that's a very different ballgame. So it's something that we're having to constantly think about in a very proactive way. It doesn't happen by itself. Um, and we and we do make missteps along the way. So that is one area where I think I'm probably learning the most on a day-to-day basis. Michelle Landy, it's been an absolute treat having you for episode 100. So thank you so much for joining me. I have a feeling this is going to be the start of a beautiful podcast series, Michelle. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Sounds very intriguing. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the show. For more please subscribe to the show in your favourite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.